and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders. This is the show where I speak with the most inspirational and thought-provoking leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I am joined by a phenomenal individual. Her name is Rita Clifton, CBE. Now, Rita is currently the Deputy Chairman at John Lewis Partnership, and she also holds a number of additional portfolio positions, including Independent Director at Essential, Trustee of the Leading Environmental Think Tank Green Alliance, and also Chair of the Board of Trustees as the Leading Sustainability Organization Forum for the Future. Rita was formerly the Vice Chair and Strategy Director for Saatchi and Saatchi, which I'm sure we all know, uh, as well as London CEO and Chairman for the global brand consultancy Interbrand. Uh, she's recently released a book which is all about loving your imposter. I'm really excited to dive deep into that, as well as some of Rita's areas of passion, which of course involve my favourite subjects as ever, that is diversity, inclusion, belonging and equity. Welcome to the show, Rita. Thank you very much indeed. And also thank you very much indeed uh, for that introduction. So looking forward to this very much and, uh, and also on this extraordinary and inspirational podcast series that you do. Thanks, Rita. And, uh, and, and again, that was the shortened version because there's many other things and strings to your bow, having worked with huge amounts of global brands over the years. But before we dive deep, what would be wonderful is if you might be so kind as to tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to be where you are today. Because, of course, there's plural hats now involved, yet I'm sure it seems like a journey that has, has perhaps uh, been, a, been a real fleeting adventure, um, or so to speak. So, so talk to us a little bit about the journey. I do. Thank you. I think in some ways it has been the opposite of a fleeting uh, adventure. It has been, uh, as you will know from my uh, CV and also, frankly, being open about our age, it's been quite a long term adventure. But I think what I would say on the adventure front is that, honestly, my career and what I've done in my working life has come as a complete surprise to me. It's come as a complete surprise to me. And frankly, it's become even more of a surprise to my director of studies at university. He used to drop me little notes over the years, you know, so when we graduated, sometimes little moany notes when I was at university and a few times since then. And you very kindly mentioned my, my CBE honour, which of course was a fantastic honour. And, you know, my mother who sat within 10 paces of the Queen when I got it, that was the moment of her life. And, it was extraordinary and wonderful, and it's easy to be sort of slightly cynical about these things, but for her and for the family, it was fantastic. However, I was awarded this honour, and my director of studies at university, who is now over 100, I mean, that's how long she's been going and her energy is extraordinary, she dropped me this little note saying, many congratulations, you know, I saw that you had this honour, and you now I watched your career with some interest and also some surprise, which I thought she's always, always, you know, had a thing, I guess, about, you know, did I work hard enough and was I focused enough on my studies and things like that? So she was surprised. I've been surprised. Um, I do wear quite a few hats, as you say, in my working life now. And my career has been 
hasn't well actually what it hasn't been is it hasn't been a long clear route to the top where I knew what I wanted to be from the age of seven and I've marched up the mountain to stick a pole up there it hasn't been like that at all it's been a series of highways and byways but I'm very very lucky I managed to find by chance uh, a uh, I was going to say you know an activity a profession um, a working life that I really engage with because I'm very nosy about people and about what drives people to buy and choose certain things. So I started in advertising, as you say, that was a complete chance. I found what I was good at doing in that, you know, that activity, which was strategy. And that enabled me to progress much more quickly than I might've done you know, with any other uh, discipline. So, and actually, part of the way through my career, um, when I was strategy director at Saatchi and Saatchi, it took a headhunter, you know, a search expert, to come and find me and say, I think you could be a chief executive. I absolutely had not thought about myself as a chief executive. She recognised it in me, and I'm eternally grateful to her uh, that actually she believed in me and helped me go for it because I never would have done myself. And having been a CEO other things became possible for me to come chair, for me to sit on the board of organisations, as you say. So I guess that, you know, I, I, I sit here honestly, and you describe my CV, and again, very kind of you to do that, but it almost feels like it's describing someone else. And those feelings about, oh my goodness, you could be describing someone else, is that me? And all through my career, could I do that? You know, was I going to be able to do that? It took someone else to notice. That's why I want to help other people, particularly other women, really, you know, get someone else to have a look at them and give them advice on what they could be. Because sometimes inside, the lack of confidence, and particularly if you can't see people who look or feel or sound like you, right at the top of organisations. I want to give a whole range of more and different people the confidence to believe that they can and will, if they make you know, a well-planned well attempt, they can and you know, get to the top of organisations. And we need a lot more very different people running organisations. So that was quite a long, long story, but actually it has been quite a long and winding road. And I'm really happy to share it with other people if that can help. Rita, thank you so much. And first and foremost, I have to say that your director of studies sounds a fantastic character. What a beautifully backhanded compliment that she said. Hmm, interesting and also was a surprise. But, um, you know, as ever, you, you, you approach the, the story and the way you articulate things with this wonderful sense of humour and warmth, which I know permeates through the pages of your book, which we'll talk about uh, very, very shortly. But I must just give a nod there to the fact that really we need to see more uh, of brilliant women lifting up other brilliant women. And I guess when you look back at your career in particular, you know, you've been at the helm within various different organisations, advertising, retail, which namely have, let's face it, been rather male dominated or dominated by certain types of individual, actually tackling things like imposter syndrome and really backing yourself become ever, ever more important, as does representation. I'm not saying it's true for all, but there is a huge 
a huge uh, chapter of thought that says, well, if I can't be, see someone in that role that I would love to be in one day, then actually... I, I don't know whether I can possibly make it. So having really strong allies, really strong mentors, really strong women like yourself to look to has a huge impact for so, so many people. And it's just great to hear you really now wanting to send the lift back down, even though it was perhaps unplanned and not uh, premeditated back in the early days. So that's really interesting. And I, I, it's an interesting term, send the lift back down. Um, and the way I have it in my mind is actually I like to assemble people at all levels, <laughs> at all levels of lift going up, you know. And I think that that sense of constantly wanting, it, you know, whatever position of influence you are, is actually to bring people, you know, into your organisation or your, you know, circle of friends, people that you support. And I say that because, you know, when I was running the strategy team. Uh, Saatchi and Saatchi. I had a, a big team. I was very, very proud of the team. And I brought in lots of very, very different sorts of people, which was an amazing thing to do. And I got a huge buzz and reward out of bringing people who came from very different sorts of background, because I really believe they had a lot of potential. Um, and to watch them grow and be brilliant, you've got to want to do that. I think as a leader, wherever you come from, you've got to you know, know enough about yourself and also about what drives you and also what's likely to help other people to want and expect other people to be brilliant. Actually, and I mentioned this for a very diverse range of people. One person actually left my team not to go to another company, but actually she wanted to, she wanted to spend some time in the circus. So you just go, okay. I mean, she wanted to do many different things in her life, and this happened to be one of the things. And you go, well... Fanta you know, go for it, go and do it. And then if you fancy coming back uh, at some point, you do. So, but I think that, you know, that's a slightly lighthearted uh, example. But actually what's obviously much more serious is that, you know, we need, we all need, the planet needs, society needs, etc., a much, much more diverse set of people at the top of organisations. Um, we need a different sort of leadership. And frankly, this is my not very subtle code for saying we need many, 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 and a lot of more many's, more women at the top of organisations of all kinds. And I don't mean just senior. I mean, actually, as chief executives, chairman, presidents, prime ministers, director generals and everything else. Because at the moment, as we know, more than 90% of our global institutions, businesses, organisations, indeed nations, are run by men. And that's not to say that men can't make, you know, good decisions or they're not empathetic or whatever. However, it's so imbalanced at the moment, the picture at the top is to be almost inhuman and it will be almost you know, humanly impossible to make the kind of balanced decisions that I think we need you know, for our lives, for our societies, and of course for the world at large. So we need more balance at the top. We need a different chemical balance at the top. And that means a lot more in different sorts of people running things. And again, my purpose, mission in life is to help you know, a lot more people, particularly more women, have the confidence to believe that actually they are enough. They've got enough. They know enough. And frankly, if they don't know enough, they're 
many, many different ways of getting knowledge, confidence, experience and everything else that will enable you to take the top job. So there are structural challenges. There's, you know, there's both conscious and also, of course, unconscious uh, bias. But also what a lot of particularly young women have said to me is that actually there's something that they feel about themselves. Like, can they do it? Do they have the confidence? Do they have to fake it to make it? Short answer, no, just be the best you can be. You can, there's so much potential that we've all got in ourselves, whether we know it or not, whether it takes someone else to recognise that uh, or not. So um, we need a lot more different people running organisations. And so therefore, I'd like to help as many very different people as possible to know that they can do it. And the reason for doing the book that you mentioned earlier, Love Your Imposters, because I recognise imposter feelings in so many people, it's something that's shared by something like 70% of humanity. Women experience it a bit more than guys, but nevertheless, actually it's pretty uh, gender neutral. And that can stop them from going uh, for these promotions and different roles. So what I try to do is to say, A, you know, if you're capable of doing it, stop saying we need more women to do this or we need more women here. If you're capable of doing it, you're the woman and I'd really like us all to help to help you and indeed anyone else who might be able to uh, uh, achieve more to be able to do that. So I think that you know, the book was really to share my experiences and some of my imposter feelings that you know, I've had throughout my whole career um, but actually, I've managed to change my mindset about in a way that I found very helpful and that when I've been coaching other people, mentoring, that they found quite helpful, which is getting into a slightly different mindset about the imposter thing and actually recognise that some of these feelings of can I do it, am I good enough, you know, someone's going to find me out, sometimes the drive that that gives you can be a really powerful drive, a powerful and also a positive drive. And nowadays, I look over my shoulder at my imposter and go, I know you and I know why you're there and thank you because you're going to help me stretch myself um, and hopefully to be more. And, you know, it's difficult to move from celebrities, for example, and actors and you know, high-profile people at the moment you know, difficult to miss them talking about imposter syndrome and how fantastic they're all being more honest about these things. That's what makes us human, for goodness sake. And that's what makes us feel empathy with other human beings. And we need more human beings, empathetic human beings, to be running organisations. So let's embrace those very human feelings that we've got. Use them in a way that's positive to help other people. Use it as a drive for your purpose to really progress. And, uh, and again, I just wanted to share that with other people. And there are some tools and techniques that, again, I share in the book, and maybe we can talk about just a few of those in a minute, that I have found quite useful to really kind of help you in that mindset change and to make the very, very most of yourself. Oh my goodness, so many things to unpack that. And First of all, um, when you were talking about the individual, the work for you that went off to the circus, I love the fact that you share that so openly because 
it really makes me think actually you know this definition of what success looks like quote unquote actually looks like many different things to many different people and also when you talk about representation in particular at the top not saying that this is not important at every single level because it absolutely is however what we've seen in this last decade is this societal need in particular when you look at ESG and everything that is happening in the world at the moment that CEOs, leaders and executives really do need and are expected to be speaking out on things that are not just purely the day-to-day and the business. And so uh, in many respects, you're well ahead of the curve talking about purpose, perhaps from the background in advertising and being creative and ultimately using that um, to its advantage within the wider world of business. Mentioning imposter syndrome, which I think is absolutely poignant, given the fact that we are in the month of uh, International Women's Day, is, and I must read this quote from the front of your book because it's terribly impressive. And this is by Hillary Clinton, who says, imposter syndrome is something that so many of us feel, and Rita brings her warm, her funny and wise commentary to unpacking the issue and reminding us that we can overcome it and that we are all human. Now, I have read um, most of the book. I haven't finished it. However, I'm planning to take it on the plane with me to New York later this week. But one of the things I love is that you aren't presenting this from a place of, hey, women need fixing. You're saying, actually, there are practical steps that one can take and we must ensure that we remain human because arguably emotional intelligence is one of the most important things needed in today's modern society. Uh, Two things. I mean, fantastic that Hillary Clinton actually uh, endorsed the book. I mean, that was a bit of an imposter moment as well, as you can imagine. But actually, the reason why she uh, was willing to do it is because she herself has experienced imposter syndrome. You know, when she first arrived at university, she looked around the room and thought, all these women are going to be much smarter than I am. Um, And so therefore that drove her on. And people like Michelle Obama and Tom Hanks and Emma Emma Watson and Olivia Coleman. I mean, Adele actually was talking recently about imposter syndrome as well, as indeed was the woman who actually sorted out the vaccination programme in the UK. She talked about imposter syndrome. So as I say, this is an incredibly, uh, you know, common thing that we we have all got. And I guess that, you know, some of the tools and techniques in the book um, and some of the stories that I tell, I mean, I, I, I speak from A, the heart, and B, also some of my personal experience because actually I just thought, um, uh, you know, I want to share warts and all how I feel, uh, how I feel in coaching many other people that I know that they feel. So, um, and also just to give, uh, to give some sort of uh, reassurance that, again, these things are normal. And what's more, it's good to be normal because actually with ESG and all those things that you've mentioned, you know, purpose-led organisations outperform others, as indeed we know that you know, more diverse teams deliver better performance and that's both at the hard economic level and also at the softer level although having said the hard and soft thing I even infuriate myself when I say that there's nothing there's nothing soft about building relationships with people for goodness sake that's what good business is based on 
you know, in order to be a sustainably successful business and to generate sustainable value, you've got to build strong relationships with people and also, frankly, with your colleagues. These are the things that build trust. These are the things that build you know, long-term relationships. And I remember in the days when there used to be a, a textbook called Marketing Warfare that was like, you know, behind lots of MBA programs. And there was a tank on the front page and it talked about ambushing the consumer and guerrilla marketing. I was thinking, God, you know, it's so unhelpful to use the language of warfare in organisations now where we need to be building relationships and collaborations and everything else. That's how, of course, we all benefit. And that means more human beings, more emotional intelligence, as you say, and also an awareness that actually... If we don't have air to breathe, if we don't have clean air to breathe and you know, we've got poisoned oceans and we've got a you know, refugee crisis from you know, environmental refugees or indeed actually from social unrest, etc. You know, who cares what the quarterly results say? You know, we've got to make sure we have a more holistic view about what we're here for. And also that you know, long-term successful businesses need long-term successful relationships. And that means human relationships, human contacts, and understanding what it is uh, that human beings need. So that's what I mean. You know, you've got to come out as a human being in your day job. And I think you know, we see on television, on media, or indeed sometimes on social platforms, you know, people who run businesses, you know, maybe with stiff suits and mouthing sort of stiff corporate dogma and things like that, which is not what's needed to make people who work, you know, to make people outside of hard businesses or, you know, sort of conventional businesses feel that actually those businesses have got a really important role in society. So I think we need at the top people who look, sound, behave like human beings. Uh, and that means all the flaws and the humanity uh, and some of the insecurities and everything else that we've all got as human beings, both the pandemic and also this latest uh, really heartbreaking situation. If there's, any, if there's any light that's come out of that, it's shown what the world can do and how fast it can move when it, when it really coalesces around something and has some unity around purpose and then we can all act together so I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do that around a lot of both social and environmental issues you know when we've got through this really very bumpy bumpy period and I I dare say it is one of the few silver linings in the cloud, uh, given the, uh, the the Ukraine situation, and the fact that actually uh, the outpouring of love for this brilliant leader, who is, as you've described there, with these humanistic-led leaders, just absolutely passionate about his people, about humanity, and. You know, you kind of think these things sound so incredibly simple, yet when you look through the textbooks of yesteryear and the business books, you know, there's, there's, there's you know, depictions of tanks uh, to your uh, explanation. And all of these war, warlike, uh, action-like, in a, in a not good way, descriptions 
of how we ought to be going about business. And it kind of conjures up almost this, you know, these thoughts of, you know, the white ivory towers, uh, you know, the, the, the warlike efforts in order to be successful in the boardroom. Yeah, actually, real people have got those vulnerabilities and to really drive engagement, which is what is required in the modern world. It is, as you say, it's real human beings, real vulnerabilities, real stories. And that's got longevity. That has got such longevity in line with the relationships you mentioned clearly that's um you know one of the many uh, strings to to your bow that have allowed you be to be successful as to where you are right now because people buy in to that concept and they feel close to those leaders who are warts and all and who do uh, have the bravery to show their imperfections ultimately and then we look at how many well, how many millennials and how many different generations there are in the workforce. Now, and so much research says that actually purpose is pretty much number one, number two on their agendas. And so by not paying attention as organizations, as businesses, as governments, which and whatever, not paying attention to that purpose and that human-centric element that you described so wonderfully, it's just absolutely, you know, it, it makes no common sense whatsoever, nor will it bode well for sustainable, long-term, mutually beneficial official business practice no I mean I couldn't agree more uh, as you can say I, mean, I think sometimes business leaders can present us like an alien nation you know as in spouting jargon that people don't quite understand uh, wearing you know suits of things that set you apart from you know the rest of uh, the rest of society and certainly paying paying themselves in a way that's out of this world and that's not good for business because frankly you know to make to get the resources for change and the scale of change that we need and the speed of change that we need, you know, we need good businesses to succeed and be able to pay for schools and hospitals and civil society uh, along the way. So we need good businesses, we need successful businesses, and that means we need them to be run by people who connect with other people, you know, and actually... Uh, you know, it's business in society, not business and society, as though these are sort of two very, very separate uh, things. And then I think, you know, the leader, you mentioned um, the Ukrainian leader and you know, come across as you know, being very human. I mean, I, I was actually watching this, you go, what can this guy not do? You know, he's on the equivalent of Strictly Come Dancing in Ukraine and he can act and he can sing and you know he's got a sense of humor and all those things these are very very you know, human things that connect with other th other people and I, you know when i reflect there are some people i guess who are to themselves quite human i won't mention any names in you know, some world leaders and with some of those some of those leaders who do seem so determined to crush other people you know to crush others the only way they can feel good about themselves is by making other people feel small you know in microcosms we see these people in organizations and if i can help them what i say to them you've got to understand yourself you know first and foremost in trying to bring some helpful tools personal development professional development tools to yourself and to make sure that you are developing you know all you can be the very best you can be First and foremost about all this is understand yourself, what it is that drives you, what your strengths are, what your goals are, etc. But if you don't understand yourself, if you don't understand what it is that drives you, and sometimes those can be some 
difficult and dark day drives. We've all had difficult experiences in our lives, whether with family or school or university or friends or bullying. I mean, first experiences, we're all, you know, we're all obviously um, uh, affected by some of our past experiences. And unless you can make sure you really understand what drives you, and get that out to have a look at so you can actually go, right, I'm going to choose that, you know, that continues to drive me or I'm going to really work on that because that's not helpful. And the reason I say that is I know so many people, as I say, who try to reduce others when they're put in, you know, they're so driven to get to the top and then they are squashing other people rather than helping other people be more than they can be. And so some of these people, I just go, you know, you need to get some therapy because, you are destroying people around you. So I think that making sure you're clear about yourself and what drives you so you can actually manage it in a more positive way is really, really very important. Because you know, some of these people might say, well, you know, I'm very human and that means I'm like a psycho. You know, I'm sort of, I've got all this difficult stuff that's happened in my background and that sort of made me angry and, you know, and power hungry, they probably wouldn't say that about themselves because actually they wouldn't have that level of self-awareness and they possibly wouldn't want to do much work on themselves. So, you know, it's quite difficult to maybe involve some of the, you know, the rather unhinged strong men, inverted commas, of this world. But actually with a whole range of other people, colleagues in business and people you think have got potential I think encouraging them to work on themselves so that they try and solve for some of that stuff before it becomes really destructive uh, I think is uh, I think it's a really important part of growing ourselves indeed and it it makes me think of the expression that a dear friend of mine often uses and he says it is not a zero-sum game it is not a case of he wins therefore they lose or she wins therefore you know I'm not going to get that actually it's quite entirely possible for everyone to win and I think um you know a number of the pieces throughout the book made me think mm, this is like it's so collaboration as opposed to competition competition I'm not saying it doesn't exist of course in business of course it is competitive environment and things like that yeah actually there are far smarter ways to go about really growing over the long term and the smart way to do that is through a lot of the time competition as opposed to quashing others and making them feel small and I think you know I'm sure many people who are listening in and as you talk I have images flashing up in my mind of you know be it childhood be it times in a room where I felt completely not like I belong there and I spent the vast majority of the time worrying about how I fit in as opposed to actually what I'm doing or saying in that specific meeting it is just you know it really really resonates all, all that you say and you know I, I wonder because I know we're running out of time and, and there's so many things that I would love to ask you but I'd love to hone in perhaps just on a couple of key tips here now for those that are listening especially given the fact that this is the the month of international uh, women's day uh, and I know you attest very modestly so a lot of your successes to those that you had around you and 
You talk there about uh, not having these individuals that can be destructive and who aren't self-aware, therefore surrounding yourself by the right individuals and listening and absorbing the right information, the right literature, your book, many others who've got good things to bring to the world. That becomes so, so important to keep us going in the right direction. Yes, indeed. And I think that, you know, I have obviously spent quite a lot of my working life around brand strategy, brand thinking, etc. And I, you know, having observed all of the very successful uh, international organisations that have built very successful brands, I mean, brands are the thing that give you long term sustainable value. I mean, those are the things that live on beyond each individual leader. And, you know, people have a nasty habit of dying, you've got to build something you might want to leave to your colleagues or your family or your friends or, or whatever, you need to build a long term enterprise. And that means, of course, building a brand. But what I discovered is some of that thinking that I used is really helpful when you think about yourself. And what I'm not talking about, as you can imagine, is the Kardashianization of personal branding. I'm just talking about, you know, the framework for thinking. Number one, how clear are you about your purpose, what you stand for, you know, your strengths, what drives you? I mentioned that before, understand yourself. And of course, a big part of that is to make sure that you're not faking it till you make it. I hate that advice, fake it till you make it. That makes it feel like it's somehow a third party construct, which is not what's needed. That's the opposite of being human. Actually, that's about faking it. And, you know, and actually almost being a kind of, a, as I say, an inhuman avatar. Whereas, so I think knowing yourself, um, and making the most of that and being clear about your purpose, about your goals. I mean, you know, I've got a very clear purpose, as I mentioned. I want to ensure that many, many more different sorts of people end up running organisations. Um, and so, therefore, that clarity is really important for all of us. And what are your goals? Sometimes your goals will be long term, like, you know, you want to end up running the organisation. It might be short term. You need an, enough money to take care of your family or, you know, your uh, your basic needs and so on. But you know, you do need just to have that clear sense of what it is that you need and what it is that you're aiming for. And then secondly, strong brands have coherence. They make their clarity show up through everything they do. You know, so therefore don't pretend that you're a smiley organisation on the outside if you're an axe murdering culture on the inside. You know, it isn't going to work. So if you think also about coherence, which is that for yourself, which is if you want to be on the on a board of organisations, if you want to be right at the top, then the language of the boardroom is the language of finance. So you need to learn that language because otherwise you won't get there. Otherwise, you won't make as big an impact as you could do when you're there. So think about the coherent skills that you need to end up running something. You need, for example, as part of that coherence to lead people and to inspire them, to try and be a good communicator. So you've got to do a lot of practice. If you hate if you hate presenting, hate, you know, being, you know, leading meetings, you just got to do a lot of it because it's just learned techniques. 10,000 hours, according to Malcolm Gladwell. So say yes to speaking engagements and opportunities to run meetings. So coherent, learn the skills, learn the, you know, behaviours, actually their development, you know, opportunities and behaviours that are going to help you get to your goals and the way that you present yourself. And then the final characteristic of strong brands is about leadership. Now that's about, you know, you run your own brand here. You are in charge of it, whether you always think that way or not. So you need to make sure that you are thinking ahead and what's more, being curious 
and nosy about new skills, what's happening in the world, keep moving yourself forward and you know, having a stretch and a thirst. And actually, this imposter thing is a really good drive. That sense of restlessness is a positive drive if you get that right mindset and if you get the right sort of you know, energy and motivation um, from it. So leadership, again, is about how you keep on staying ahead, learning, stretching, etc. Maybe as much of your life in the stretch zone of learning things and developing you know, different skills as you possibly can. So those are the things that you know, I, would, uh, I would share with people. Uh, and also just say, look, the world needs you. And if you can do it, please do, because we need more normal, decent human beings in charge of organisations of all kind. Rita, thank you ever so much. Some brilliant pearls of wisdom there. And I know I'm going to have a very challenging job summarising this at the end. Um, before we leave, I'd love to just ask you a couple of lightning round questions. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer each with the hardest one first. And that is, what is your secret to success? Or is there one? No, I don't think there. I mean, look, What's my secret? It's about loving your imposter. It's about recognising it and using it uh, uh, as a drive. And of course, you know, you've got to get clear about who you are and your purpose. Uh, and I think that that gives you energy. So both of those things, loving your imposter and understanding what it is that drives you, because that will give you energy uh, to keep on moving on. So I'm not sure if that's a secret or not. I'm happy to share it very openly. How about diversity and inclusion? I know it means many different things to different people, but what does that mean to you personally? Uh, to me, it means helping people of all backgrounds, beliefs, orientations and everything else be the very most uh, that they can be. And I think that because of some of the challenges and the lack of role models, that just needs much more active management and active help at the moment which is again another reason why I wanted to write the book and also why I do some of the some of the work uh, that I do and you know frankly all the business cases are there greater diversity means better performance and more diversity you know can mean you know uh, happier and better societies too so we just need to make sure it happens um, and uh, and actively manage for it because it might not just happen by accident and on its own. It needs it needs some active help. Indeed, active interventions is what we want to see. And finally, I wonder if you were to go back in time and to speak to the uh, much, much younger Rita, uh, who was about to embark on this serendipitous career that she wasn't quite sure uh, what was about to come next pre-advertising, or someone who is about to go on a similar journey, uh, what might you say to them? I would probably start off by saying it's really important to be yourself. And then I'd qualify it slightly quickly, and I'd say you need to be your best self. And the reason why I draw that distinction is because I don't know about you, there are certain aspects of myself I'm not necessarily going to sort of parade in front of everybody all the time. I mean, there are certain things you know, that actually we think, I really need to work on that aspect of myself. Um, and that's not necessarily the one that's going to get me to you know, run organisations and things like that. So I say be your best self because, you know, we want to take our best game, you know, to our working lives and also to what we're trying to achieve. So, so I'd say you want to be your best self. And that means, that means both 
uh, hard skills, you know, learn skills and expertise and knowledge and so on. And it also means about understanding yourself and really making the very most of who you are and what you can do and using the drive in order to make that happen. So there are a number of strands here, I think all of which uh, really do uh, come together. Thank you so much. It has just been an absolutely insightful and inspiring podcast. And there's so many brilliant tips and learnings there that we can take away. Uh, Where do I start to summarise? Some of the things that I have particularly liked are, um, well, firstly, your candid sense of humour. I think that litters throughout the book. And and every time I speak with you, uh, you make me chuckle and you you manage to bring this just brilliant sense of humour to every single situation, which I think is so incredibly important in today's modern world. Um, But the real need to be human, to to not be an inhuman avatar, quote unquote, which you said, which I thought was just fantastic. And but also having those hard and soft skills and getting that serendipitous balance right in between the two, be it that we must be continually learning for things we may not wish to do, you know, be it finance, be it communication, presenting skills keep on keeping on on that side of things, but ultimately ensuring that there is this real true authenticity and that we're staying ahead of the curve, um, you know, all throughout the book and through our conversation, it's really been about this learning evolution and the evolution that we go through both personally and also professionally and how we really understand what our key drivers to success are and the fact that actually that can mean many different things to many different people gone is the time of this cookie cutter model to success and you know here arrives the time uh with you speaking very much about um what it is that personally drives us and motivates us in our own unique ways and i think there's just so much richness in there for anyone whether they be at the boardroom uh right now or whether they be just entering their career and 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 such is true throughout the book and so I really would encourage everyone who is listening in um, to, to pick a copy up of Rita's book. It is honestly, it is marvellous. It's hilarious. It's candid. It's spoken with true authenticity and real lived experience. And, you know, what I like most of all about it is it doesn't kind of pretend to skip on this rose petal path to what success looks like. Actually, it is its flaws it's all, it's real life experience and, um, you know, it's just got a brilliant sense of humour as well. So, uh, Rita, thank you so much. You you are a true inspiration and, and someone that I'm so grateful to have met upon life's path. So thank you for joining today. Thank you very much. And right back at you, Leila, by the way, about the inspirational thing. So many congratulations on everything you've done and are doing. And I very much look forward to keeping in touch and you know doing things together in the future so thank you very much for having me and uh, also thank you for your kind words about the book and don't forget to read chapter six if you got to chapter six why you don't have to fake it to make it my husband did a version of a daily telegraph profile on me where he thought his was the real version but um i think uh, if you haven't read that that bit i uh, i would very much recommend it. I try not to be hurt by the fact that that's a lot of people's favourite part of the book. My husband's version of the profile I had in the Teddy Telegraph. So he wrote the real thing. There we are. That's a bit of a, a bit of a tease, a bit of a clue. But 
in all seriousness, thank you so much. Um, you know, uh, all the very, very best wishes. I love good husband and wife conversation. And now everyone's thinking, oh, I wonder what kind of conversations they have around the dinner room table. Um, that's exactly what you want to think. Make sure you check it out at Chapter 6. My name is Leila McKenzie-Dallas, founder and CEO of Dar Global. You've been listening to the Diverse Inclusive Leaders podcast with the wonderful Rita Clifton, author of Love Your Imposter, Be Your Best Self, flaws and all we shall look forward to seeing you again very soon but until then you can check us out and subscribe on apple on itunes on your favorite podcast app directly in the dar global network app or online at www.darglobal.org forward slash podcast